Peace, power, and prosperity, family. How we doing out there at Library TV? Those listening in on New Money Matrix podcast. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, for each, I know, I know definitely for New Money Matrix podcast. This is my first podcast of the year, coming in on a four day, which is the 13th of January of 2020. Um, which also gives us a four. Um, and it is a moon day or Monday. It is currently 5:30 a.m. Chicago time. And what I'm going to be opening up this year with, especially on the New Money Matrix podcast, but more so to my viewers and those that are going to be following me, especially over here on Library TV, is one of the most interesting aspects, in my opinion, within the blockchain and cryptocurrency space, which is that of DeFi or decentralized finance. Um, What I'm going to be using as an introduction which isn't drawn out too long or anything, it's kind of quick, simple, and to the point, is the Binance Academy, and they have a complete beginner's guide to decentralized finance. So I'll be using... Oh, hold on, let me um, block this out so nothing can interrupt, interrupt the uh, podcast. There we go. I apologize. But I'm going to be using their beginner's guide to break down and explain... Or introduce those who may not have an idea um, of what decentralized finance is and give my added commentary, especially how it may relate to traditional finance, which they may or may not go over um, in this specific guide. So let's see real quick what is price action doing today Um, coming in Monday. For those that will be able to see this on library TV, as you can see, we do have a demand area. Boxed in between 81.70 and 84.70. That is an area of demand where we have been rejected uh, a number of different times. And we do have some support down here around 80.40. Right now, Bitcoin is currently trading at $8,089. Now, getting into the introduction to decentralized finance. And for those that are listening, remember that price today. Remember that price. You know, you may hear this in the future or come back to this in the future and look back like, damn, Bitcoin was was $8,000, whether it be higher or lower. You know what I mean? So um, getting off into the article, which was actually released on the 13th. Hmm, seems like it may have been released today. Um, they have a couple of different contents. Uh, they have what is decentralized finance? What are the main advantages of DeFi? Um, what are the potential use cases for DeFi going into borrowing and lending, the monetary banking services, and the centralized marketplaces? Also, what role do smart contracts have in DeFi, as well as what challenges does DeFi face? Um, what is the difference between DeFi and open banking? And they're going to close out with their own personal thoughts. So just um, diving in. It asked a question that many may have in their own heads. What is decentralized finance? Decentralized finance, or simply DeFi, refers to an ecosystem of financial applications that are built on a top of blockchain networks. Now, I want to break down that first sentence because even in some of what others may look at, some of the most simplest structures or simplest terms, simplest um, phrases, 
may be outside of the norm to individuals that are not within a specific space and used to the terminology that may be utilized within that, that space. So um, when we're talking about an ecosystem, let's do a little bit of, here we go, let's do a little bit of deep diving. So an ecosystem is a community of living organisms in conjunction with the non-living components of their environment interacting as a system or a complex network or interconnected system, as in general use, um, from a Silicon Valley's entrepreneurial standpoint. So in this sense, we're going to be using the definition not so much of living organisms, but more so a complex network of interconnected systems. So when we go back, we're looking at a complex, complex network of interconnected, which is the blockchain, different systems, of financial applications. An application is much like any type of app that you may have on the phone. It allows you to do a number of different functions. So within this space, they have financial applications that allow you to do a number of different financial functions just from the comfort of your smart device, be it your laptop, tablet, or mobile device. Um, and they're built on top of blockchain networks. So they're not specifically, um, what would I say? There's no one specific network that DeFi is owned by or um, ran by, should I say. They have DeFi in a number of different networks, be it Tron, POA, um, EOS, as some may say. But the largest network, the largest network, in my opinion, and it may be fact, um, to allow a number of different financial applications is the Ethereum blockchain and the Ethereum network. So the article goes on to state, more specifically, the term decentralized finance may refer to a movement that aims to create an open source, meaning anyone can view it, permissionless, meaning that there's no permission needed for you to interact with these applications, and transparent, meaning everything will be out on the open on the table laid out for individuals to check. So it's an open financial service ecosystem that is available to everyone and operates without any central authority. I'm going to read that one, that one over one more time. More specifically, the term decentralized finance may refer to a movement that aims to create an open source, permissionless, and transparent financial service ecosystem that is available to everyone and operates without any central authority. The users would maintain full control over their assets and interact with this ecosystem through peer-to-peer, -peer, P2P, Decentralized applications, or what you'll see them um, more closely called are DAPS, or D-A-P-P-S. And it just stands for Decentralized Apps, or Decentralized Applications. Um, the core benefit of DeFi is, the, is easy access to financial services, especially for those who are isolated from the current financial system. Another potential advantage of DeFi is the module framework it is built upon, which is interoperable, interoperable DeFi applications on public blockchains and will potentially create entirely new financial markets, products, and services. This article will provide an introductory dive into DeFi, its potential applications, promises, and limitations and more. Um, and with that, we're going to get into what are the main advantages of DeFi after I take a sip of water. Give me one second.
and we are back. So now getting into what are the main advantages of DeFi? Well, traditional finance relies on institutions such as banks to act as intermediaries and courts to provide arbitration. DeFi applications do not need any intermediaries or arbitrators. Um, an intermediary is somebody that is playing as the middleman in a um, in a uh, I guess any type of transaction. Uh, an arbitrator is a person to whom the authority is given to settle or judge a dispute. A person to whom the authority to settle or, or judge a dispute is delegated. So these are the individuals that are given the power to perform such tasks. Now, the code specifies the resolution of every possible dispute, and the users maintain control over their funds at all times. This reduces the cost associated with providing and using these products and allows for a more frictionless financial system. As these new financial services are deployed on top of blockchains, Single points of failure are eliminated. The data is recorded on the blockchain and spread across thousands of nodes. Nodes are individual entities that are, um, what, what would I say? Basically, any computer that's running on the blockchain is a node. Um, let me see their definition. Let me see what, what, what they got. Let me see what they're saying. What are nodes? Just a quick definition. The definition of a node, blah, 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 blah. Okay, when it comes to computer te tech telecommunication networks, nodes may offer distinct purposes. Okay, usually a node consists of a physical network device, but there are some specific cases where virtual nodes are used. Simply put, a network node is a point where a message can be created, received, or transmitted. Hereby, we will discuss the different types of Bitcoin nodes, which you have full nodes, super nodes, minor nodes, and SPV clients. Um, I don't want to get too deep into it, but Bitcoin nodes are responsible for acting as a communication point that may perform different functions. Um, full nodes are the ones that really support and provide security to Bitcoin, and they are indispensable to the network. These nodes may also be referred to as fully validating nodes as they engage in the process of verifying transactions and blocks against the system consensus rules. Also, Full nodes are able to rely or relay new transactions and blocks to the blockchain. So when you think about the nodes, think about the miners, the individuals that are um, creating the trans, not creating the transactions, the ones that are verifying, excuse me, and confirming the transactions. Whenever you send a transaction somewhere, there's a miner that's actually breaking down the algorithm or the complicated math problem that is the code of that transaction. And those are looked at as the nodes of the system. So getting back into the, um, the article, the data is recorded on the blockchain and spread across thousands of different individuals running these nodes or these mining equipment, making censorship or the potential shutdown of a service a complicated undertaking because you would literally have to shut down every single individual in the world that's running a Bitcoin node to kill the system. Since the frameworks for DeFi applications can be built in advance, deploying one becomes much less complicated and much more secure. Another significant advantage of such an open ecosystem is the ease of access for individuals who otherwise wouldn't have access to any financial service. Since the traditional finance system relies on the intermediaries making a profit, the services are typically absent from locations in low-income communities. 
interesting. However, with DeFi, the cost is significantly reduced, and low-income individuals can also benefit from a broader range of financial services. And from my personal experience within this space, this is held to be true, whereas, you know, right now you have individuals that with 5 or $10 can open up a decentralized savings account utilizing DAI or SAI, um, one being multi-collateral DAI, the other um, latter being single-collateral DAI. Um, and, you know, you can have as little as 5 or $10. As long as you have a smart device, like I said, be it a tablet or even a phone, be it a $20 phone from Walmart, you're able to utilize these different services that are available. So getting into what are the potential use cases for DeFi. Borrowing and lending, for one, and they go on to state, open lending protocols are one of the most popular types of applications that are part of the DeFi ecosystem. Open, decentralized borrowing, and lending have many advantages over the traditional credit system. These include instant transaction settlement, the ability to collateralize digital assets, no credit checks, and potentially standardization in the future. Since these lending services are built on public blockchains, they minimize the amount of trust required and have the assurance of cryptographic verification methods. Lending marketplaces on the blockchain reduce counterparty risk, making borrowing and lending cheaper, faster, and available to more people. Next, we're getting into the monetary banking services. As DeFi applications are, by definition, financial applications, monetary banking services are an obvious use case for them. These can include the, ins the issuance of stable coins, which are coins that are pegged to the United States dollar, whether they're backed by a reserve of Federal Reserve notes or not. Um, you have coins, just to show you the difference, such as DAI, um, multi-collateral die or single collateral die, which is actually backed by a digital asset being either Ethereum or as of right now, Ethereum and a basic attention token. Or you have coins such as United States Dollar Tether, USDC, Gemini uh, United States Dollars, which are stable coins which are backed by a certain amount of Federal Reserve notes as well as IOUs, as I understand it correctly, somewhere in the reserve. Um, but also they can include mortgages and insurance. Um, as the blockchain industry is maturing, there is an increased focus on the creation of stablecoins. They are a type of crypto asset that is usually pegged to a real-world asset, but can be transferred digitally with relative ease. As cryptocurrency prices can fluctuate rapidly at times, decentralized stablecoins could be adopted for everyday use as a digital cash that is not issued and monitored by central authority. Largely because of the number of intermediaries needed to be involved, the process of getting a mortgage is expensive and time-consuming. With the use of smart contracts, though, underwriting and legal fees may be reduced significantly. Issuance on the blockchain, on the blockchain could eliminate the need for intermediaries and allow the distribution of risk between participants. This could result in lower premiums with the same quality of service. Now we're going to get into decentralized marketplaces. This category of applications can be challenging to, act, uh, to access at it, at, as it is the segment of DeFi that gives the most room for financial innovation. Arguably, some of the most crucial DeFi applications are decentralized exchanges or DEXs. These platforms allow users to trade digital assets without the need for a trusted intermediary, which is the exchange, to hold their funds. The trades are made directly between user wallets with the help of smart contracts. 
Um, and basically what they're saying is that unlike an actual traditional exchange market where you actually have to give up custody of your funds to an institution in order for them to facilitate the trades for you, even though you may be choosing or making the decisions, um, at the end of the day, your, your currency, your funds are held elsewhere. When you start interacting and utilizing decentralized finance as well as the decentralized marketplaces and the DEXs, everything is going from wallet and being ran through a smart contract. So you're never giving up custody to a third party. Um, it goes on to state, since they require much less maintenance work, decentralized exchanges typically have lower trading fees than centralized exchanges. Blockchain technology may also be used to issue and allow ownership of a wide range of conventional financial instruments. These applications would work in a decentralized way that cuts out custodians and eliminates single points of failure. Security token issuance platforms, for example, may provide the tools and resources for issuers to launch tokenized securities on the blockchain with customizable perimeters. Other projects may allow the creation of derivatives, synthetic assets, decentralized prediction markets, and many more, which um, they have all of, those within, all of those within this space. You have REP, Augur, um, which is the prediction market. You have Synthetics Network, which allows for the trading of, of synthetic assets such as synthetic gold, silver, um, GBP, Great Britain Pound, JPY, the Japanese yen, um, just to name a few. Now, what role do smart contracts have in DeFi? <laughs> One of the most important, in my opinion. Um, most of the existing and potential applications of decentralized finance involve the creation and execution of smart contracts. Um, let me see what the definition of smart contracts is. But just as a simple, I guess, real-world use case, how you want to look at a smart contract, I'm going to give you two examples. One would be a vending machine where there's no teller or anybody there to take the money or give you the product. You have a product within the box. You have fiat currency or a means of exchange. The product has a number and a amount of the means of exchange that it needs for that product to be released. You type in the number, put in the, the means or the needed amount of exchange, and the box or the, the um, vending machine automatically gives you the item that you asked for. So it's an if this, then that type of contract. Um, another example would be a, a monthly subscription, such as Netflix, Hulu. You know, what you have is a subscription interacting with the bank all through code. And they're just asking the bank on the day that the subscription, hey, does this individual have this much money in, the, uh, in their account? And the bank either says yes or no. They say yes. They say, well, come, okay, we need to, you know, transfer that from their account over here. And the bank okays it. But it's all done automatically, though. There's no person behind, you know, somebody uh, getting their subscription paid. But let me see. What are they saying? Um, hmm. Okay. A smart contract, um, they can define a smart contract as an application or program that runs on a blockchain. Typically, they work as a digital agreement that is enforced by a specific set of rules. These rules are predefined by computer code, which is replicated and executed by all network nodes. Um, in simple terms, it says smart contract work as a deterministic program. It, execu it executes a particular task when and if certain conditions are met. As such, a smart contract system often allows if and then statements. But, and that's why I was speaking on the if this, then that um, type of contract. But despite the popular terminology, smart contracts are not legal contracts nor smart. They're just a piece of code running on a distributed system, which I would beg to differ with that latter um, statement. 
But um, leading right along, um, it goes on to state that while using contract, while usual contract uses legal terminology to specify the terms of a relationship between the entities entering, entering the contract, a smart contract uses computer code. Since their terms are written in computer code, smart contracts have the unique ability to also the unique ability also to enforce those terms through computer code. This enables the reliable execution and automation of a large number of business processes that currently require manual supervision. Using smart contracts is faster, easier, and reduces risk for both parties. On the other hand, smart contracts are also also introduce new types of risk. As computer code is prone to have bugs and vulnerabilities, the value and confidential information locked in smart contracts are at risk. So when you're utilizing these platforms, it's not so much that you got to have to trust the individual that's, you know, um, taking control of your money or interacting with your money. It's more so you have to trust the code that you're using, if that makes any sense. So what challenges does DeFi face? Poor performance, um, for one. Blockchains are inherently slower than their centralized counterparts. And this translates to the applications, to the applications built on top of them. The developers of DeFi applications need to take these limitations into account and optimize their products accordingly. Next, you have high risk of use error. DeFi applications transfer the responsibility from the intermediaries to the user. This can be a negative aspect for many. Designing products that minimize the risk of user error is a particularly difficult challenge when the products are deployed on top of immutable blockchains. Next, you have bad user experiences. Currently, using or DeFi applications require extra effort on the user's part and a I mean, when they say extra effort, it comes in the form of just knowledge and understanding what's going on when you're utilizing these applications. Um, for DeFi applications to be a core element of the global financial system, they must provide a tangible benefit that incentivizes users to switch over from the tra traditional system. Basically saying that it's got to be a, little, a lot easier than what it is right now to interact with these platforms. Um, and I'm not even going to say that it has to be a lot more easier. When we look at the traditional financial system, just to be 100 and keep it honest, average individuals don't know how the banking system works. They don't comprehend that when you put your money in the bank, that money is being taken and loaned out, and you're giving a small amount of percentage of interest where the bank keeps a larger amount. Many don't know that. But um, going on, and they, they go into next. The, um, but I was saying that to say that so you can have usability of the system without actually knowing exactly how it works, in my opinion. But I would prefer you know how it works, which is one reason why I bring the information that I do. Next, you have the cluttered ecosystem. It could be a daunting task to find the application that is most suitable for a specific use case. And users must have the ability to find the best choice. The challenge is not only building the application, but also thinking about how they fit into the broader DeFi ecosystem. And I think that's important um, when we look like, man, there's so many different applications out here to use. Um, one that I may suggest you should check out or may want to check out. It's called Instadap. That's I-N-S-T-A-D-A-P-P. And they actually allow you to interact with a number of different DeFi applications all in one central station. Um, so it's real interesting. Um, let me see. What is the difference between DeFi and open banking? Open banking refers to a banking system where third-party financial service providers are given service or secure access to financial data through APIs. Or application program, what is it? Application program interfaces, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, uh, let me make sure. Yeah, 
API is the application programming okay, yeah, application program interface, which basically allows different platforms to interact with one another. So anyone that is from this crypto space, when you're using bots or any type of trading service and they ask for the API keys to your um exchange, basically what they're saying is can we get access or allow these two different applications to interact with one another by using the keys to uh, the API keys. But anyways, it says that this enables the network of accounts and data between banks and non-bank financial institutions. Essentially, it allows new types of products and services within a tra traditional financial system. And it, those obviously are what is used for your banking or your uh, monthly subscription from Netflix to take from the bank. Um, DeFi, however, proposes an, proposes an entirely new financial system that is independent of the current infrastructure. DeFi is sometimes also referred to as open finance. For example, open banking could allow the management of all traditional finance instruments in one application by drawing data from several banks and institutions securely. Decentralized finance, on the other hand, could allow the management of entirely new financial instruments and new ways of interacting with them. And I want you to keep your eyes open as decentralized finance grows. Um, let me see. So in closing thoughts... They're going in the state that decentralized finance is focused on building financial services separate from the traditional finance and political system. Very key. Very key. When we look at how the world is ran and who, you know, pulls the strings and press the buttons. This would allow for a more open financial system and could potentially, potentially prevent precedents of censorship and discrimination all over the world. While a tempting idea, not everything benefits from decentralization. Finding the use cases that are most suitable for the characteristics of blockchain is crucial in building a useful stack of open financial products. If successful, DeFi will take power from large centralized organizations and put it in the hands of open source community and the individual whether they will create a more efficient financial system and will be decided once DeFi is ready for mainstream adoption. For a more in-depth research, report on DeFi. Um, they got another one that we'll take a look at at a later date. Um, and it's DeFi Series 1, Decentralized Crypto Assets Lending and Borrowing. For now, I just wanted to bring a simple introduction to the family. Um, I hope that this was useful and informative. Um, in closing, I will say this, as I stated before, outside of, you know, the whole thing about price action, Bitcoin running to 20 and people waiting for it to go back to $20,000 and all that, decentralized finance, in my opinion, is one of the most interesting aspects of this new money matrix, as I like to call it. I want to thank everybody that tuned in, will be tuning in, watching this either on Library TV and or I may post this on my YouTube. I'm not 100 percent sure as I'm trying to transition from library to TV. Um, but definitely for those that will be viewing this on the Library TV channel and those that will be listening in on my new Money Makers podcast. I appreciate you and I thank you until the next one. Peace, power and prosperity, family. I am out of here.